Good day. You're listening to Radio Hara. I'm Stefan Christoph. It is Friday, the 7th of April. And for my monthly artist interview, I'm going to be featuring a conversation with Matt Moss. This is、uh, a conversation about their recent projects and specifically、um, their experimentations with the work of Bogoslav Schaefer.、Um, Who was an avant garde Polish、uh, music composer and recorded a lot at Polish radio experimental studios. This is、um, a long time ago. These are recordings from another era. And I found、um, this was a really cool project for a number of ways.、Um, it、uh, looked at What experimentations were happening in experimental music on the east side of the Iron Curtain during the Cold War. And it brings up a lot of questions around the idea of other worlds existing,、uh, you know, on a political, social, economic level, but also on a cultural and musical level.、Um, the context of the Cold War had a reality where you had a whole Different、um, worldview and social space and creative space. And, you know, without judgment of all the specifics and all the deep state backed injustices that were happening in that context, it's really meaningful today to think about the possibility of a non hegemonic space.、Uh, and I think this album that Matt Moss. Worked on is a really interesting revisiting of what the creative space looked at, looked like in that context in Poland.、Um, we recorded this interview virtually, but they、um, were great to speak to and、uh, sent you know, their audio side, and it sounds great. So thanks so much, Matt Moss, for this conversation. Every month I share a new artist. Exchange on Radio Al Hara. This is my interview for April、uh, 2023. And I hope that you keep it locked on Radio Al Hara, Free Palestine. So, your work visits quite a few areas in terms of like you're navigating between sounds and genres. You're navigating between a pop sensibility with an ambient. Focus thinking about soundscape, textures, and you've been doing it for a long time. My first question would be Can you maybe just describe, just on a very physical level, the last process around the last album? How did it go down? It's a curious record to describe because it breaks from many of our habits. Often we start a record by committing to a concept that. Selects a bunch of objects, and then the music is about curating a list of objects or, or, or choosing material things. This was different because this was a commission、uh, from, from Mikhail Mendik at the, the Adam Mishkovich Institute in, in Warsaw to revisit the music of Bogoslav Schaefer. So the recordings had been made in the 60s and 70s. We selected pieces by Schaefer and manipulated them digitally with software.、Uh, so- <laughs> Sometimes using controller keyboards to play chopped up samples, sometimes stroking the glass surface of an iPad, playing an iPad app like Sampler to manipulate pieces of the past, pieces of 
sound that had already been created for us in advance. At a later stage, we paired that with some new instruments. We had our friend Una Monahan play Irish harp. Uh, we had a, a guy, Ulash Kuragulu, play uh, Erhu and viola. Um, Martin played some synthesizer. We have a vintage analog modular synthesizer, a Paya, that's in the basement. So it, it, it had a kind of archival, like, listener start, like making a playlist and thinking about sampling um, for moments of impact or moments that had a very strong character. And then how do you turn that into a riff that feels like it's a halfway point between what Matmus records sound like and what Boguslaw Schaefer's records sound like? For a lot of musicians, the idea of revisiting recorded works to base an album around um, could be interesting, uh, especially in sort of like digital and ambient music today. There's a huge push of a lot of people who are sort of turning down this idea of samples and trying to like create a lot of work based on their own synth work, uh, their own samples, their own atmosphere, their own ambience. But your, your project is very specific and it was commissioned uh, and it's about a revisitation. So I would imagine that in a lot of your past albums, there wasn't a lot of sampling. There wasn't a lot of reimagining of past works, whereas this one entirely is is around that. Why why was this important? Um, the relationship to also the cultural scene in Poland. I mean, there's. Can you talk about that and why that's important for you? It's a key point about us, I think, that when we came up in electronic music, there had been a lot of uh, sticky fingers, plunderphonic collage that was about recontextualizing, you know, snippets of Michael Jackson or snippets of James Brown. And it was often a kind of like... In, in various ways, in ways where, you know, James Brown wins and in ways that where... John Oswald, John Oswald wins. wins. So there's kind of versions of it that are very commercial and seem very predatory, often even kind of racist, like white, self-understood avant-gardists kind of making confetti out of black music. Um, and sometimes really interesting kind of auteurs of the plunderphonic aesthetic, like somebody like Negative Land or, or John Oswald, where sampling is quite a critical practice and very self-aware about appropriation and the politics of that. But we kind of cut 90 degrees towards a French musique concrète tradition where the point is not to sample music by other people, but to make music out of material objects. And we were heavily inspired by a 60s moment of experimental practice that we thought there was sort of unfinished business with. And I think in making the jump from a French inspiration to a Polish inspiration, for us, it was kind of learning on the job about a scene that because of the Cold War, we just didn't have any awareness of, no access to, and it was only somebody from Poland reaching out and they heard an affinity between Bogusław Schaefer's music and our music, and they did that work of being an ambassador for us. It was up to us to make the encounter something that felt meaningful and not like trite, and not just like, oh, I'm gonna take this avant-garde through composed music and make it techno and, and that it's very facile, kind of cross-marketing, you know. So or at we, least we hope it's not. We hope it's not. Yeah, we had a lot of soul-searching about this of like, you know, this person's dead. Like, they can't say no. An institution has given you the green light, but that doesn't solve the problem on the level of aesthetics. So like, why does this exist? Is it worth someone's time? Um, and we we hope to do some things that would put Boguslav's music in the material landscape of the music of his era. So there's one song 
a Cobra wages shuffle that has a lot of cut-ups of like bongo novelty easy listening music of the same period when he was making his avant-garde music I wanted to make a song where you could almost imagine like what was at the record store when there was a Bogus Law Schaefer avant-garde record? What was the record it was next to? Which there probably wasn't really. really I mean, good. yeah, who knows? <clears throat> but, you know, it's kind of imagining the the push-pull between academic experimental practice and like a broader world of just recordings as recordings that are all in this constellation that's kind of commercial at the same or, time, or you know, the we're we are all we also are just completely in love with the fake experimental, easy listening music of the like Enoch Light, you know, where there's this sort of pseudo scientific, like the stereo is very scientifically arranged so that you know you. Yeah, there's a framework. You will have sex with your date or whatever. <laughs> uh, when she hears the incredible stereo separation of these bongos, right? So there was like a pseudo-scientific marketing aspect to some of the novelty music of the same period as Boguslaw Schaefer's innovations. And I think we wanted to kind of lean those contrary worlds uh, up against each other and see what happened. I mean, it's also just honestly about activating a pleasure principle in us about the, the the Schaefer sounds that we could already hear as in dialogue with, with an arranger like an Enoch Light or like a Perez Prado or like a Nino Nardini, you know. Um, there are these honks and snorts and rips of the horn music that Schaefer uh, created that to us make perfect sense, um, decontextualized and relocated as, as a kind of chugging uh, rhythmic, you know, um, punchy riff. Um, you know, it varies from song to song. I think side two is a different animal. It's more oceanic. And you've brought up the concept of, of ambience and the question of ambient listening as a frame. And, you know, we fully go there with the sort of oceanic end of side two. I've noticed lately that Matmus records often are sort of ending with the ocean. Uh, I don't know if we're getting older. Or... Like he's noticed it like he had nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, you... Like, you hmm. You have to sneak up on yourself and realize, like, why does this give me pleasure? Or, like, why does entering the ocean as the last sound of a side two, why does that work for us as a narrative Because we're old and we'll die soon. Well, right. And every year we go back to California where my mother lives on Half Moon Bay on the Pacific Ocean and go for walks on the ocean. And so I think... The end. We're turning the albums. The end. The albums are turning into a way of thinking about the shape of a year of life and the kind of cycles of life. And maybe this is the kind of boggy, middle-aged, self-allegorizing, you know, that uh, <laughs> happens when you're in your 50s. <laughs> so watch out, young man. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, respect. I think you mentioned Bogoslav... Schaefer's work in a context of negotiating sound and understandings of histories in Eastern Europe. Poland particularly has been able to uh, find an active relationship today with experimental music in Western contexts. Um, the lines of East and West have changed, but of course on Sound Festival and, and many other um, contexts that's unusual in terms of um, Eastern Europe or the Balkans even. Um, 
there's a lot of disconnection, right? I was in Sofia this summer in Bulgaria and there's people doing stuff there, but it's still, there's a, there's a huge gap in terms of process and resources and et cetera. I'm bringing this up just because I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about what it means to have a contemporary engagement with a historical work with a place that was disconnected uh, or in its own, what was happening, a cultural sphere was happening um, in relation to the world, but within its own sort of um, context. There's a lot of layers there. And I think it is interesting to think about that, right? Like what that, how that represents in the present, right? Um, because often the I imagined idea of culture in Eastern Europe is based on frameworks and imageries of the past, but you're doing this now. Um, so any thoughts about that? Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a deep question. I think the um, you know the experience we've had of touring bears out what you're describing. You know, we've played, you know, in in Zagreb and in Bucharest, uh, playing in Warsaw and in Krakow. I think because of the work of Goja and Matt at Unsound Festival to kind of advocate for experimental gatherings and to interleave Polish artists with an international crew of people. Um, I feel like the conversation is richer and deeper because of what Unsound and of what people in Poland have done to build a, a platform for themselves. You know, it just felt different in in Zagreb. I felt like there was less um, familiarity with these ways of working. Uh, I mean, you know, you don't want to overstate the case based on like one or two club nights, but I can perceive the difference for sure. I think the flip side of the coin is that Boguslaw Schaefer himself had also... Um, traveled and taught people um, at various institutions that had sort of spread his approach. So, for example, when we were in Northern Ireland, we met uh, an English composer who, when he was a young student, had studied with with Boguslaw Schaefer. You know, so we're trying to play back a certain Polish experimental past for new audiences in Krakow and Warsaw when we did those concerts this last summer. Uh, to Polish audiences from now who might have their own take on what was valuable about that material and what wasn't. And just literally, um, we don't have Polish literacy. When we engaged in cut-ups of uh, the dramatic and theatrical works of Schaefer, we did it purely based on cadence and sound, like the sound of a voice that had something really compelling about it. And we would chop that up with basically no awareness of what the language was. And then we I think pretty much the hammiest... <laughs> the most hammy performances, you know. Well, that's pretty mean. <laughs> well, no, how would we know otherwise? Yeah, I guess I said what, what, We were attracted to the histrionic. Yeah, or just of, powerful. Yeah. And then we had a Polish uh, speaker translate that for us, and it was wonderful to kind of have the reveal of, like, what was our record saying? You know, we literally didn't know. <laughs> um, and it had It us, turned out well. I yeah, guess. yeah. I think sometimes that, that kind of... Um, asserting the primacy of sound gets you somewhere weird and queer that won't happen if you're minding the store about curating meanings, you know, but it's risky. Like it's risky. It could have just been like super banal and boring, but it wasn't. Thanks, Boguslav. It seems <laughs> unlikely that he would have had, you know, dumb. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's a funny time too for the West to, go for people from the USA to go to Poland 
to make experimental work. You know, the, the question of like, where is there authoritarianism and repression and where is there the freedom to experiment? You know, the United States right now is experiencing like horrific backlash and, and right wing kind of emergent fascisms. You know, um, I know in Poland, there's a similar push pull between uh, a homophobic church that is influential on political life and people who are Poles that want um, want to advocate for, for self-expression. So to be queer artists, you know, making work where the Polish government was footing the bill, you know, felt weird to us. Like, I don't regret what we did and I'm grateful for their generosity, but we also, I mean, there's a reason why we call the song Flight to Sodom. You know, like we're insisting on like a pro-queer embrace of that name and that word and that implication when we're making this art and that's not an accident i mean i don't know maybe i'm just expressing like my own awkward feelings about the whole idea of being commissioned because we don't typically work that way we tend to just make art because we feel like it and if a label likes it that's cool this was sort of different you know we're kind of dancing with the devil a little bit <laughs> dancing with the devil though is so uh, so much a reality in the United States also. It's just like, uh, uh, I mean, that's a very layered comment, but I mean, in terms of what it means to engage with Poland today, I, I just I just find the whole process really, I really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, it, I have been seeing this reemergence of uh, efforts to engage with archival material in Poland. I'm, I'm Nicholas Jarre did that project also, um, which uh, was related to old radio recordings from Poland. Um, yeah, um, and, and other artists have been engaging. And I just find that so refreshing to think about also other examples. I mean, one um, artist that I've had so many questions about, I, I believe it's a fiction, right? And there's a lot uh, that comes up there, but Abu Mograd, right? Like there's a story that this is a Serbian factory worker. And I've, I've spent time to actually inquire about this artist because, um, I've wondered what is actually going on. Right. And what was the backstory? Well, I've, I've looked into it and, you know, I think that it, 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 it's an, it's an artist who's not from the Balkans using this as a, as a, as a story, right, um, to sort of develop a fiction. Um, and that's one thing. I think it's, you know, problematic at best. Uh, but um, but I, I think that what's interesting here, right, is like the, I really appreciate your transparency and what you're talking about in terms of like thinking about sound in Eastern Europe in the contemporary. Because often even this, particular artist that I, I mentioned, the whole narrative around Abu Mograd is based on this sort of concept of like an imagined past of the Eastern Bloc and how that's represented in the present. But you're talking about contemporary issues in Poland through your recent work and also through your engagement of thinking about also queerness in the context of a country where there's so much violence towards queer bodies and in, in, in the present. Um, all this is happening within the context of creating the record. So I think, you know, for people listening to this conversation, um, 
maybe just thinking like sort of zooming out and thinking about your duet project uh, and your duo project, not just in the context of the record, but thinking about like the, the constant reimagining and like your, your work over various albums to continue thinking and challenging yourself to create new works and to engage with political space, social space, cultural space in new ways. Can you just maybe just give us a picture of where you're at? I mean, that's a huge question, but like how, how, how's your project going in general? Like also for people who might not be as familiar with your work. Sure. Yeah. We, we won't like break it down every album one after another because 30 years is a long time. I think we're in a position as a band and a couple where there's a body of work that has created a certain set of loyal listeners and a certain reputation. And it's associated often with very extravagant decisions about sound sources. I think that's because some of the early records, you know, sampling the sound of plastic surgery or making an entire album out of a washing machine and taking it on tour and setting it up on stage and playing a washing machine live. Like we are in a funny position where for some people, there's a lot of respect and awareness of, of what we do and its connections to sampling culture and music concrete. And then for other people, we're like a queer novelty band that manages to kind of sink our claws into a certain sort of media visibility because there's something extremely ridiculous about what we're doing. Um, and, you know, those are both like kind of true, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think that... Uh, for us as artists, the, the thing that happens when you've been doing something for 30 years is a sort of, I hope, a kind of process of how do you give yourself permission to change in a way that is compelling for those who already know the records of the past? How do you give yourself the right kind of prompt and framework to make new work that's compelling to somebody that might be just walking in the door? You know, we just toured Europe and, uh, and then... Um, the US and Canada for the first time after three years of not being able to because of COVID. And it was a mix of like fans who are now bringing their teenage children, you know, who have been aware of us from the late nineties. And then people who just had heard like, oh, I hear they're weird. I don't know. I'll check them out. And, you know, wanting to like bring along new people and wanting to like speak to the present moment without trying to pander, you know, without like, Oh, let's make a cynical like trap record to try to seem like a pop, you know, rhythmic shape that other people already like, you know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to repeat what we made in the late nineties. Um, so it's an open question. I mean, it's often a question of like, how, how strongly or loosely do you want to wear a concept? Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting in terms of, in terms of dance music, which, you know, if you, if, if you're, if you're one, if you're some kind of dance music purist, when we started, that was like a thousand years ago. <laughs> you know, so the idea, the uh, the ridiculous idea that we would have the gall to continue making records is, you know, and I, and I do interact with these people. They're like, you wait, you're still, why? <laughs> you, you can't, you know, you couldn't. Like it's too tough to die. <laughs> yeah, but 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 do we make dance music? And was it ever like that? Isn't really like we're in dialogue with it, but that isn't. Yeah, it's kind of a push pull between the two of us, honestly, because I make dance music sometimes on my own power as the sopping truth, but it's also not not the case that we want to become 
constrained by the obligation to keep a, a dance floor going. Um, I mean, our way of thinking about tempo, for example, is epitomized in the album before uh, the Vogueslaw Schaefer record, The Consuming Flame, which is three hours at the exact same tempo, 99 BPM. And it's a constant, steady tempo. And we invited 97 other people. So it's 99 total people playing at 99 BPM for three hours. So on one level, formally, it's like, oh, did you want a consistent beat that keeps going? Like, okay. And yet that record, of course, keeps like dissolving and turning into drones and turning into field recordings. And then a new rhythmic template will emerge, but it's always at this steady clock. So we like to play kind of formal games about expectations and about genre. And it's also just a function of the fact that we like to throw a party and invite our friends and they give us things that we can't do because they're talented in ways that we're not. And sometimes that means like, oh, it's Yolo Tango playing guitars, or it might mean like, oh, that's One O Tricks Point Never playing a synth part, or maybe this is like R Rose and Giant Swan bringing like techno. And everybody's cool with the fact that it's gonna get chopped and minced into this sort of weird uh, stew, you know? Uh, and to me, that sort of liquid thing, that's what Matmus is. Like we're like a goo. <laughs> that never stops flowing. <laughs> well, I like what you're describing. Describe uh, what you're describing speaks to specifics, and also like very pointed interventional practice, but also playfulness, and that's very rare. So, shout out. Um, I love that. Um, thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh wow! Oh, cool. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's just a pleasure to talk to a thoughtful person. <laughs> uh, respect, respect.
wiele wiem o domach. Wiem, że się rodzą i żyją, śmieją się, albo się uśmiechają. Nie wszystko.